thanks so much for listening to the Creative Psychotherapist podcast. I am really excited to bring this next uh, installment. It is episode five of uh, the 2023 Voices from the Expressive Therapy Summit special series. And today I'm having a conversation with um, Kate Merkel who is a licensed clinical social worker. She is a registered dietitian, and she's also a psychodramatist. And in this conversation, we talk about how she interweaves these practices uh, to provide a unique container of care for her clients, and also about some of the trainings that she offers um, through the Chicago Center for Psychodrama. And of course, she's going to be teaching several um, uh, trainings at the upcoming Expressive Therapy Summit. The first is going to be a virtual um, all-day workshop, and that is going to be via Zoom. And it is going to be... Um, like a kickoff to promote the the first Midwest Expressive Therapy Summit, which is going to be happening in person in Chicago. So if you are a listener from kind of the central uh, United States area, it might be a great opportunity to attend the summit if you've never been. And um, in that virtual uh, training, she's going to be teaching a bit about integrating Brené Brown's Daring Way approach with the expressive arts for courageous healing and transformation. Sounds amazing. Uh, and that'll be in May, uh, May 21st. It's an all-day event. Uh, you can find more about that on the summit's website, www.expressivetherapysummit.com. And then at the actual in-person Chicago event over the weekend of June 23rd through 25th, um, She's going to be teaching two uh, trainings, one on embodied healing, using action techniques and psychodrama to transform the treatment of eating disorders with her colleague, Dr. Brittany Lakin-Starr. And then uh, independently, she's also going to be teaching on the importance of nutrition and trauma recovery for all counselors and therapists, which I think would be a really great training if you're able to um, attend. Just learning a little bit more about nutrition and how it impacts um, people's mental health can be a, a huge asset in terms of um, holistic practice and I think helpful to understand, okay, what can I provide to my clients in that regard? And when do I need to refer them to um, somebody who has uh, more training in and uh, licensing in nutrition and diet? Um, and that's going to be on June 25th as well. So check those out. You can find more information on the Summit's website. And uh, without further ado, here's our conversation. The Creative Psychotherapist is the official podcast of the Creative Clinician's Corner, a practice-building resource for creative psychotherapists. TCP Podcast is the cast for creative, expressive, and experiential-focused psychotherapists curious to learn how to design, build, and scale a thriving private practice. Your host, Raina Lombardi, interviews successful therapists about the tools and strategies they have used to develop creative-focused practices. They also talk about the products, services, and side hustles they have developed, using their knowledge and creativity to enhance their therapy practices, make a greater impact in their communities, and diversify their income streams. Welcome. Now here's your host, Raina Lombardi. Thanks so much for listening to the Creative Psychotherapist podcast. I'm your host, Raina Lombardi, and I'm very excited to bring this next episode of the Voices from the Expressive Therapy Summit special series. Our guest today is Kate Merkel. She is a licensed clinical social worker and a host of other um, credentials. A registered dietitian, a certified psychodramatist, 
She's a certified Daring Way facilitator and experiential methodology based on the research of Dr. Brittany Brown. Kate has over 18 years of experience helping people struggling with disordered eating and body image issues heal their relationship with food. She's the founder and direct, director of Nourishment Works PC, a group therapy and nutrition practice specializing in the treatment of eating disorders. And she is the co-director of the Chicago Center for Psychodrama, a training center offering trainings and workshops to hospitals, schools, and mental health practices throughout the Chicagoland area. Kate has been incorporating psychodrama into her group and individual work for the last 10 years. Welcome, Kate. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about, um, you know, you, you have a background in being a mental health provider, but then you also have an additional, I would imagine, degree to become a nutritionist. Did you mm -hmm. need to go back to school to do that as well? Yeah, I actually did it the other way around. So I've been a dietitian. Um, I think it's, yeah, this year will be 20 years. And, um, and I've always focused on eating disorder recovery. I have my own recovery. And so that is what keeps my flame lit and keeps, it just really, uh, feeds my passion to continue to do this work. Um, I learned so much from my dietitian and I feel like she taught me everything I know. Um, and so I'm forever grateful for that. And recovery has just been awesome. A lot of hard work as most folks. know. I always say it's the hardest work we'll ever do. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Later on in my profession, working at an IOP, I learned about psychodrama and action methods and expressive arts therapies. I fell in love with those because I felt like not only when we study something like psychodrama, we do our own personal work to learn how to then do the work with our clients and other individuals. And so it was like another level of recovery for me, even though I had had recovery for so long or what felt like recovery, this was like the next level. Um, and I loved it. And, um, it was so healing that I got serious and talked with my psychodrama trainers and my supervisors at the time of like, I really want to incorporate this into the work that I do. So then I decided to kind of dovetail. I did it at the same time. I got certified in psychodrama and went back to school and completed a social work degree. Wow. And then, yeah. And honestly, I, as a dietitian that really, really focuses on disordered eating or um, body image concerns, I, I feel like I've always been pulled into holding space, being with folks. A lot of feelings come up when the session mm -hmm. is just around food um, and body image and that specific um, those specifics. And so um, I felt like it, doing well, one, my own recovery was like the school of hard knocks. And then being a clinician for so long as a dietitian in, in this uh, arena, also, I felt like um, helped me get my sea legs and get me that. Um, yeah, get me get me just like, um, yeah, the skills and the the kind of I want to say strength to sit and do this work and, and be with individuals. Um, and then the psychodrama and the action methods really allowed um, for me to have even more skills mm -hmm. to so much ambivalence in recovery. Uh, yes. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, um, and folks can get stuck. There's a lot of stuck points. And so action methods are just the one thing I typically go to when folks are stuck, because it really helps them get unstuck and, and helps see their, um, their angle of opportunities or their choices that they have when they don't feel like maybe they have choices. Mm -hmm. I think that's like the beauty in the experiential therapies, like no matter, you know, what approach, whether it is, you know, more narrative and dramatic, or if it's music or art, um, it, 
it allows us to get around the unconscious defense mechanisms that are keeping us in that stuck place. And then once we see them, well, we, once it's seen, it can't be unseen. And that really helps to kind of push us forward in the work that we're doing in our own healing or helping others um, in that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely, I'm over here nodding. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so one thing I love about it is um, specifically the action methods and the psychodrama is that um, it, it's me kind of out of the client's work. They're doing their own work and I can stay out of it. And they're having action insights, which are insights that happen um, and realizations that happen during um, the role reversal or the mirroring position or these basically techniques that we use or the empty chair. Um, and so there, it's not me kind of telling it to them or trying to show it to them or convince them of anything. It's them doing it all on their own, which is what I love. Yeah. Um, so then I can kind of stay out of it. My, my hopes for them, my stuff for my stuff in general can stay out of it they can have and I'm guiding I'm right there with them the whole time um but it's really nice for for them to um yeah them to have their own experience and and realize it all on their own um and it's just so powerful so I'm just so grateful I'm so grateful for the the methods and and so are the folks that um that use it in in the practice that I run, they, you know, people that are um, warmed up, I can get them warmed up to, to try these methods. They're, they're really usually so grateful, ready to dive in each week. That's yeah. so exciting. Um, yeah, it is. I, I love that when you find an approach that really resonates and connects with the people that you're serving and they're just as excited to use it as you are to offer it. Um, it just makes it so much like there's just better flow in in the process yeah. of therapy. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about obviously you have done your specialty is with um, you know, working with uh eating disorders. How might your work as a dietitian also um, be beneficial for the lay practitioner? Um, I feel like there's so much research coming out on the relationship between food, nutrition, and mental health. Like, what are some basics that clinicians really need to be aware of related to that topic when they're working with clients that maybe they don't necessarily have an eating disorder, but their nutrition is impacting their, their wellness and their ability to cope effectively with their mental health condition? Yeah. I mean, I think about, um, just basic needs and, and where fuel, a lot of times I use the term fuel instead of food. Cause for some folks, food can be a little more activating, but just a lot of people can get on board with fueling and, um, adequate fluids or hydration and then sleep. Um, all of these things are real, real basic. And so I, I think it's a great idea, especially like a, for therapists that do trauma work, just to do a brief check-in on are these things and are, are they tending to these things in an adequate way? Um, if they're, and, and I always feel like, um, yes, I did, uh, I don't know, many, many years of nutrition school and then, um, got a master's degree in public health and did an internship and rotate, like it was many years to become a dietitian. Um, And I still tell folks it's not rocket science. It's like making sure uh, this is kind of a very like broad stroke in general, but like three meals, two to three snacks a day, or maybe it's three meals, three snacks, but 
make, and, and I'm, I tell my clients regularly that I'm really trying to listen for adequacy. And so within the three, um, three meals, three snacks, ideally we want to hear just a blend of some fats, some carbs, some proteins, um, you know, maybe some fruits and veggies, things like that. But it's like, there's no such thing as perfect eating. So I always also remind the individuals I work with that I'm not, we're not aiming for perfection. And in fact, if we were, that would be a little disordered. And so we're really trying to be flexible. That's a huge tenant of, of recovery is the flexibility. Um, and so, um, so yeah, just kind of within the eating, there's some balance. So snacks are typically either pick two, pick three. So, and it would be something from like, like I said, the protein, like a protein and a carb or a fat and, you know, you know, whatever. And I usually don't mind. Um, I, I tell my clients, um, that I'm real flexible with what they choose. And I usually want it to come from them because if I'm rattling off, Oh, we'll have this and this. And they're like, I, those, I don't really like those fruits. You know, I always want to ask them, what would you be willing to put in as a snack around? I don't know, between whenever you, between breakfast and lunch. So it sounds like that's around 10, 10 30. What would you be willing to put in? And I just start with where they are usually. And if it seems um, lacking and not adequate, um, so maybe they mention one thing, I'll usually say, can you put in, I don't know, is, is there one th- other thing you can add to that? Again, I kind of stay away from, sometimes I'll rattle off foods and mention certain foods, but I usually want it to really come from them because I feel like there's so much more likely to then put it in. And then, um, and then I do just a little bit of education around because your body is going to just have so much more to work with. If you put in, let's just say it's a piece of fruit and, and they have some, uh, peanut M&Ms. Um, and, and I heard that they have those, pe- they just got some peanut, peanut M&Ms or something like that. And they're saying, well, I'll ju- I could just put in some fruit at 1030. And I'm like, well, you mentioned these peanut M&Ms. Would you be able to put in, mix that in with your, and you know, I'll see where they respond, but if they're like, yeah. And then I just do a little, like your body's just going to have so much more to work with when you put in the nuts and the, they come in with the peanut M&Ms or whatever. Um, I just mentioned the food that they've mentioned. It just gives your body so much more. Um, and diversity. Exactly. Variety is another big, uh, part of, of, um, of recovery is just being able to flex and have that variety piece. So there's that. And then the other real general basic is like, um, consistency with fueling. So waking up within an hour or so of waking up, we want to be putting something in and then, um, and ideally there's some, uh, variety there. But again, I uh, working, it's so individualized. That's the piece. Sure. It's really individualized. And I also, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking if someone, if a therapist is in a session and the nutrition piece and the checking in with, with the food is taking up more than maybe five or 10 minutes, I would say, it, it sounds like you might want to meet with a dietitian. I'm going to put that on, on, you know, your recommendation is, so let's, you know, whether we spend some time in session doing a little Google search of folks that specialize in, in, you do want to look for someone that specializes in disordered eating um, or eating disorder. If they don't have those per se, that, yeah. I totally agree because I've heard from clients that have had really, really painful experiences with meeting with somebody and they just did not, they didn't have the understanding of their specific condition. And it was like a fresh, really frustrating um, for both parties. I think frustrating for the professional and frustrating for the client. And then of course, and the client doesn't necessarily want to go back, but when the dietitian or nutritionist has a specialization in working with disordered eating, there's, it can be such a beautiful 
resource and relationship and and help um, Mm -hmm. to that individual, even in terms of like having somebody to eat with, to be witnessed by, because Mm -hmm. I think so many people don't want to be seen when they're eating, like that Mm -hmm. becomes part of it. Um, Yeah. And the other thing that I would recommend to look for is um, like at our practice at Nourishment Works, we we do all of our work through a weight inclusive, non-judgmental lens. It's oftentimes named um, like the health at every size paradigm or the non-diet approach or intuitive eating. And so you're just going to find, I hope, I know again, this is what we specialize in, but it's a really more, a more compassionate approach. It's really client centered. It's not us coming in with like, well, here's your meal plan. Here's what you need to be eating. Here's how you need to be following this. It's really kind of extrapolating. What are your struggles or concerns or challenges that you're finding happening with food? How can we work and co-create and tackle this together? Um, knowing that you I'm on your team. We're going to work together through this. If you don't like, I mean, I work with folks that are like, I hate vegetables. And I'm like, great. I'm glad you know what you like and don't like. Let's work together to find out what you do like. And then, and it's okay to not like, you know, to have food preferences and then food allergies come in. There's a lot of, um, a lot of different, you know, barriers or just like things we have to navigate. Maybe they're not barriers. Maybe it's just navigating it. And having a professional do that can be really helpful because ideally as the therapist, you want to spend the time doing that therapeutic work, right? Mm -hmm. And again, if you're spending more time checking in on um, those basics of like hydration and food, it's like, this might be a, a place to go and get, spend that particular time. And then it frees up the therapist to do the therapeutic work, mm-hmm. right? Or the trauma work. And then the other piece is really making sure people are nourished. I'm, I'm regularly um, educating clients on that. Maybe they're, they're in EMDR or they're doing dance movement therapy, or they're um, doing these more trauma somatic experiencing. Um, I remind them like, that's a lot of work a lot of energy your body your brain needs right yes so true I just did a five-day intensive EMDR training last month and you know as part of it you're somebody is facilitating the process on you and I had a I had a very powerful um, EMDR experience. And it was like, my whole body felt like it was on fire. Like I was starting to sweat. And at the end I was like, I am ravenous. Like I need to eat and I need to eat something right now. I was so hungry, but you're right. Cause your, your body is doing, it, it is taking up a lot of calories to process that intense, um, stuff that's stuck in there. Right. Right. And I've even, I remember um, reminding uh, an individual client about this, that like you're doing EMDR, you need to be fueled. And, and they said, yeah, um, last week, my therapist checked in, had I been eating, am I properly fueling myself? And I, I haven't been, and I had, I hadn't eaten before a session. And so we had to skip doing EMDR um, because I wasn't firing on all cylinders. And I, I, you know, it's just too, it's so energy zapping that, um, in a good way, right. Mm -hmm. It's such good, deep work, but reminding and educating them that like, you've got to be adequately fueled to go in and do that. And they might be arguing, well, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, yes, you are, you are sitting there. And I tell that to a lot of my students that are in class for multiple hours. I'm like, yes, you are sitting in lecture and you are learning, you are retaining, you are understanding, you're, you know, you're taking in so much information. Your brain is, they just don't really maybe always get that piece, but like, you got to trust me and you got to trust your body um, that you do need more fuel than maybe your brain thinks or your disordered eating part might be judging that you think you need, but, um, but yeah, so so those are just some little um, little guidelines of 
again, keeping it real basic. Mm -hmm. um, I always say meals and snacks do not have to be intricate or super duper fancy. They can be just, you know, pretty simple peanut butter and jelly with, you know, a couple of sides and a beverage and, you know, just rounding it out is a term I often like to use. If I hear a meal or a snack that's not rounded out, I'll say, how can we round that out a little bit more? And they usually have the answer. Most folks kind of, it's interesting because we have so much in nutrition information out there, mm -hmm. which to some degree can be helpful and another can be frustrating and confusing, right? And really challenging. Totally. But I feel like a lot of people, we're all kind of our own nutritionists, right? Like we kind of know what maybe uh, an adequate meal looks like, what a rounded out um, meal looks like, but it's, it's the whole piece of then getting that into action and getting that into our body is a whole nother, that's a whole nother process that, you know, as a dietitian um, focusing on this, that's kind of our, our line of work um, that we specialize in. So. Um, but yeah, it's just such a big part of the whole process, right? Mm -hmm. It would yeah. sometimes use when, when I'm struggling, when the client's struggling to, to get it, I'm like, what if you every day just woke up and had a six pack of beer, you know, like your day would be a little, you'd be a little off, right? I'm, I'm trying to think of ways of how to, you're not firing on all cylinders. You're not kind of a hundred percent present. You're not all there. Mm -hmm. And when restricting throughout the day or not adequately meeting our needs we're kind of not all there too and right. so just trying to I'm always trying to think of other ways to other metaphors or ideas on how to kind of send that message of how important nutrition is and how we live in a world that tells us less is more thinner is better right like mm -hmm. it sends all these kind of beauty myths and um body myths and um uh, all these messages of how we should look and what that means. And, and there's just, we, we just live in such a diet centric culture and world that some, most folks that work with us feel like kind of a breath of fresh air because we're giving them permission to yeah. adequately their body, which is, feels like more than what our society tells us. So much. I, I often wonder, um, I belong to a gym and it's one of, it's like a, a hit gym. I love the working out part. Um, like that feels really good, but they also do like these challenges, right. To help people burn fat, get strong, get in shape. And, and it doesn't really matter like which one you go to, which gym you go to there. They all have this very rigid diet plan that you have to follow and it's like macro counting and you know it, it what you can eat there's so many limitations I'm like I can't do them I can't it's I can't I I just go uh like I'm I, I'm just gonna totally fail at this because this is not any way how I would normally eat you know like you gotta be cutting carbs and eating more protein and uh, mm -hmm. and, and I'm like, but I really like my vegetables. Like I would rather eat a ton of carby vegetables than, um, eat only all protein, you know? Yeah. And, and, but I feel like it doesn't, like you were using that term rounded out like that. It doesn't ever really feel rounded out. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also noticed, like, I was thinking about how the messaging there could be really triggering for someone yeah. who has had a history of struggling with disordered eating mm -hmm. um, or who might be on the edge there of like, right. that, that could push somebody into that. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering if you have observed anything like that in, in your work, since that's your, your specialization. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Oh my gosh. All the time, all the time. I mean, when you mentioned the rigidity of that diet plan, my first thought was you and I connected on how just, we're all just so busy. Like my first thought was like, gosh, who has time for that? Like who has time to like count these things and macros and like be so rigid with like grocery shopping and cooking. And 
And then the other piece that um, that I'm thinking of is uh, ideally when we eat a meal, something that I uh, work to guide and train clients on is aiming for some level of satisfaction and some level of fullness. Like we want to, and when we cut out, let's say carbohydrates, oh my gosh, how unsatisfying is that? And here we are trying to get satisfaction in maybe other ways or um, trying to get it still through food. Um, yeah. Um, it, it's just, it, it, it sets people up. It sets people up mm -hmm. to be like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I follow this? It's like, oh, because it's, it's a setup. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Does bring that not enoughness piece up of like, well, you know, I'm, I must not be good enough or disciplined enough or, you know, something to be able to do this when all these other people are able to do it somehow. Yeah, um, but I think like it's okay to say that's not right for me, and yeah. I need to listen to my own body. Like you were saying, like if we slow ourselves down, our body really does tell us a lot about what it needs when it needs more water, when it needs more rest, yeah. when it's like you do need more fat. You you know you're craving it, and you're like, why yeah. am I craving that? I never craved that. <laughs> yeah there's something in there that your body is saying you need this because you're lacking it in 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 some way yeah it makes me think of I believe it's Judith Matz um who's a um, health at every size pioneer in our field and um she's had a has a quote that's um people don't fail diets diets fail people I'm paraphrasing but it's something like that and and so really getting that shift in, um, I guess, mentality of like, there's nothing wrong with you. This is, this is a setup. It's not, it's just, it's gonna, it's, you're going to go down this path. It's going to leave, lead like everybody to this place of not feeling satisfied, um, craving things, denying yourself what your body is interested in, um, and uh, yeah, craving what's missing, right? And mm -hmm. and wanting what's missing, which makes sense. Um, and then yes, we know that the simple act of dieting can lead. It, it's fascinating to me because some people can can casually diet and it doesn't turn into an eating disorder. Granted, it probably turns into some disordered eating. I mean, dieting in general is disordered, um, but. Um, but not everyone uh, develops an eating disorder. And I've seen that in my practice and I've been like this, wow, like, this is amazing. I don't know how you've been, uh, I remember having some folks work with me that are recovering from Weight Watchers. And um, I've just been like, I can't believe this, this hasn't turned into a full-blown eating disorder, but it's been disordered for as long as they've been doing it. And so we're working on that recovery, but, um, but then some people, um, can start to diet or, or even I oftentimes let people know, like, you know, the idea, typically it starts with a thought, like I want to be healthy in quotes. I want to kind of, you know, take care of my body or, um, get stronger or it, you know, it usually doesn't come into like, I want to not, you know, completely restrict and cut calories and count calories and you know, it, it ends up kind of turning into this beast of its own, but, mm -hmm. um, but it usually starts with a very like nice idea of like, it's, it's January, let's get, let's get healthy and try this thing. And um, let me get in more fruits and vegetables and um, you know, whatever uh, the idea is, but then it can go down this path that actually gets them farther and farther from health. Right. You know, mm -hmm. so getting back, you know, just sometimes vocalizing that or in psychodrama, we double. And so I'll double a lot of that. It was like, it was just trying to do the right thing. It was just trying to get healthy. Um, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to get to this point where now I actually need to go to the hospital and go to, a, you know, higher level of care. Um, so yeah, it's, it's tricky because mm -hmm. it's under the guise of, of health. A lot of times, you know, I'm doing this for my health. 
Um, but it can take some time helping the, the client really get clarity on what well, now I'm actually farther from health than I, than I want to be. Right. And of course, the farther from physical health that we become, the harder we have to work to maintain our mental health because our energy sources are so depleted. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so getting folks, I often tell people that if it's not uncommon for um, anyone to come through my door, it's been struggling their whole life with food. Um, so it's, you know, it's rarely that it's like, oh, a year ago I started. It's usually like, no, since I was a kid, I've been um, eating this way or watching these things or had messages told me about my body. And so I often tell folks that um, one or two, one or two meals isn't going to repair this, right? Like there's a recovery period of regularly and consistently fueling your body, just like if someone's sleep deprived, one or two nights of sleep isn't going to like, boom, you're, you're kind of well rested. It's like a process. And so that's also back to just answering that piece of like the role of the dietitian. That's also part of it um, is that we do get folks that are malnourished um, and, uh, and need that kind of regular consistent fueling over time. I think, yeah. And then, and then the next piece oftentimes is getting tuned into, um, their hunger and fullness. And like you said, all those messages that the body, all that information, that wisdom, right. Our bodies are wisdom, and getting connected with that, which again, bringing it back to just the expressive arts and how wonderful all of these uh, modalities are with getting us embodied in our body, you know, mm -hmm. and getting us tuned into it, which can be really scary for someone with eating issues. They don't want to be in their body, right? Yeah. Well, I think they, they become so masterful at not listening to the cues and tuning them out that they're not even registering in some cases anymore. Right, right. Yeah. And then it's a fascinating um, development, but a lot of times what I see is the more adequately fueled they are, the more their body has the energy to say, Hey, I'm hungry. Right. And give out those cues. Like it takes energy for the body to, to give these cues. And then recovery starts to um, build some roots and kind of get embedded in, in their day-to-day life where they're like, well, now I'm waking up and I'm actually within like half hour. Or so I'm feeling some hunger and I'm over here in my head, like so excited. Yay. This is what, you know, and they're terrified because hunger is so scary because sure. it's this catastrophic thinking of food. Yeah. If I eat and not for everybody, but if I like food is going to cause me to gain weight and that's my biggest fear, weight gain, my body's never going to stop gaining weight. It's going to be this kind of runaway train. And I oftentimes reassure them that, um, your body knows and not to fear the hunger. Um, we've got to learn to listen to it and to show up for it and to honor it as best you can. So it's a whole process. The dietitian is brings in so much to um, the whole eating. It's a relational, um, it's relational work is kind of how yeah. we look at it. How I look yeah, at it. What yeah. is it? It is an, a very intimate relationship. It is. Yeah. Right. It is. And then it mm -hmm. becomes like an abusive relationship. Yeah, right. It, in, right. And like the same type of dynamics that, that are present in kind of interpersonal violence, mm -hmm. um, then they become manifest in this relationship with the, um, you know, whatever it might be, whether that's food, it could be, a, you know, something else that people are ingesting too. Mm -hmm. Um, or it could any, any addiction really, right. It could be a process. It could be a product. It doesn't really matter, but those dynamics are at play mm -hmm. there. Right? Yeah. And, you know, this is reminding me of the work I've done early on as a dietitian and folding in psychodrama into sessions where, um, 
if if I hear of a, a regular uh, struggle with a certain food, whether they're fearing it, restricting it, binging it, whatever, um, we'll put it in the chair, the actual food in the chair, and I'll do a warming up process to it. Um, and half, I'd say maybe there's a little bit of a split here. Half the time, the food's pretty benign. It's like, I don't know what you want from me. You know, um, I'm just some eggs and flour and some sugar and um, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, and I'll do a whole like interviewing of where do you live in Mary's house or um, and where, where, um, what store do you come from? And um, are you aware she's struggling with you? And yeah, I think she hates me, you know? And it's like, well, how do you feel about that? And, and it can be fun and playful. And um, at least I try to have, I try to lighten it up because the eating disorder can be not so fun and playful most of the time. Right. So here we are lighting, lightening it up and um, a little bit of levity. And, and then there are times where the voice of that food is so, so harsh and mean and punitive yeah. and shaming. And from there, then I can say, I can reverse the reverse them back to the rest of themselves and say, gosh, Sam, who, who does this, what this, this cookie, let's say it's pretty harsh and mean, like who in your life sounds like this. And then we're off to the races with, with the real encounter that needs to happen. Right. Um, and the real repair in the relationship, um, because oftentimes our food does have a voice and it can people report that it like beckons me from the cupboard or um you know so yeah I'm remembering another time where we put some food I'm not even remember exactly it was beckoning this individual and um we got it in the chair and and reversed roles with it and ultimately it was it was it was telling this individual, you've got to have more fun in your life. You oh. need to go dancing and you need to go out and socialize. And this was pre-pandemic. Um, and they ended up signing up for some dance lessons and really getting just this whole, another whole embodied journey mm -hmm. that I never would have thought. Uh, I'm hearing that you need to uh, go go sign up for these salsa lessons. Where That would never come from anything but the food had all of this amazing information mm -hmm. of what's really being missing in her life is that she's eating me trying to find this um, sensuality and this movement and this fun and this forbiddenness that right. I, I didn't know. So the these that's why, again, I cannot say enough about how much I love action methods and, and particularly psychodrama because it does all of this work that I just didn't know until we get it into action and we discover and, and, um, and then clients can just blossom and go and do and put these, these ideas into action in their life. I love it so much. Um, it's such rich work. And of course, there's so much depth there um, that that is coming out by those dialogues that you're having with, with the food. Uh, it's really cool. And I have to kind of go on a tangent because I just noticed that you have a collection of the most beautiful feminine um, sculptures behind you on your shelf of the female body in all different um, shapes and sizes. And I just love those. Yeah, I have. I, I, um, you know, Venus of Willendorf is, uh, mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to go to the museum in Austria and they have all of these um, goddesses. They have a whole goddess section. And so I have more in another room in the office because I always think like how many, when we think about all the bodies that we see, right? Mm -hmm. We kind of get the same message over and over and over and over. And I said, I, I want um, the bodies that we don't see, you know, in the yes. office and the it. bodies, right? So I've just, it's been part of my, um, I don't know, so something fun when I, when I'm traveling or when I see 
just different sculptures. These are actually some candles. Um, yeah, they're candles, they're... unbelievable. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. I can send you the link if you want to add that. Yeah, um, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, and so there's all of these um beautiful goddess bodies that because I think the Venus of Willendorf, gosh, is it thirty thousand BC or something like these are the bodies that uh, were worshipped and and what we what we have you know to mm -hmm. see bodies from back then so um yeah it's been fun collecting those and it's it's also a really nice learning opportunity um to look at all the different bodies that have been I guess worshipped or you know um, pedestalized yeah, yeah seen as like what's desirable right what's desirable um, or considered ideal in mm -hmm. one time period is not in another. And it certainly, I think, mirrors um, uh, kind of access to, right, in, mm -hmm. in time periods where maybe larger bodies were um, more um, idolized. Mm -hmm. I think it might have been, well, those people have access to food, nutrition, resources, um, yeah. and, and so that's celebrated. And now we're in a time where we have, plenty, at least us in the United States and our westernized culture, many of us have access to um, so many choices of how, what to put in our bodies. And now it's kind of the opposite, which is interesting. It is. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And I, I'm always just saying, how can we let our bodies be right? Not try to fix, manage or control and just really let our bodies guide us and, and listen to that wisdom. And then I'm a big fan of DBT, kind of the wise mind, right? Like there's logically right? Sure. There's the logical piece. And then there's the emotional piece. And I use that a lot with food as well. Like logically, I know um, uh, it's time for me to eat emotionally. I'm it's, let's say it's freezing cold in Chicago, which is a lot of the time. Yeah. And so I'm wanting something warm and, and nurturing like a, maybe a warm stew or some hot soup and some crusty bread or something. And so I'm going to put in logically what I, you know, that I need to eat and then emotionally pull that piece in. I think that would be really satisfying in my body is a hot, you know, versus maybe a diet that's like, oh, you should have a cold crisp salad. And it's like, well, it's negative 30. I'm like, that's just not going to hit the spot, you know? Um, and, and so really, yeah. Tapping realistically, you wouldn't have that accessible to you living in that kind of climate. <laughs> Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, folding those in or um, folding that, that concept, but using it with food, the wise mind and the, yeah. I love that integration. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, I feel like that's so much of my work. And then when I am in the role of therapist in the treatment team, because um, more often than not, we have a team of uh, a therapist, a dietitian, a psychiatrist, a medical doctor, and sometimes there's PT or OT or um, um, different other dif disciplines for just the whole, you know, approach to um, getting them the best care. But when I'm in the role of therapist, um, I'm mainly working with folks that have eating struggles and um, yeah, just doing this, this work and then collaborating with their dietitian, um, but it's been fun to, to see both sides and, um, it's just been really fun. There's never a dull moment. I always say. No, I imagine not. And each person is different. So even though, right, there's lots of similarities in what we're doing, um, the way it presents itself is always so different and unique for each person that we're working with that certainly um I don't think any therapist could ever say their work is boring sure right, right? Yeah. <laughs> hopefully not yeah okay 
it's uh, there's always something happening that like yeah. even as you've been doing the work for 20 years right i'm sure you're like wow that's a surprise I, that like this is yeah. new to me i've been doing this for a really long time but there's still always surprises happening um yeah that keeps us engaged i think i agree and i feel like i learned so much every day from clients. Like, I love how much they teach me. Oh my gosh. Even if it's like pop culture stuff and like, you know, I just feel like I learned so much from them or, you know, new phrases in our language or yeah. Absolutely. Or, yeah. It's just really fun. They're, they're so creative and um, yeah. So I I'm always learning and then, and then yeah, studying what we do because um, that's, you know, there's always new modalities or ways to help people. That's something that I, I am always just kind of active in, which I love. I love learning. Yeah, me too. Um, it's fun and it's exciting to, when you learn something that you can implement and put into action and it really produces meaningful results for the people that you're working with, that is like, so, um, just, it feels nourishing to the soul. I think, um, when, when we're able to do that yeah. and, and as much as you're learning, you're also sharing your knowledge and wisdom and practice techniques. What are you going to be teaching at the upcoming expressive therapies summit? Um, I know you have a few different workshops. What's the first one going to be? Yeah, I um, need to pull that up. Um, give me one moment. No, that's okay. I think it's the um, the opener. Like um, you're doing like a special opening event to promote the oh. upcoming Midwest Expressive Therapy Summit that's going to be live in person in Chicago, which is super exciting. Yes, it is. So that's on May 21st. It's a Sunday. And um, the name of that is Integrating Brene Brown's Daring Way with Expressive Arts uh, for courageous healing and transformation. So, um, I, as you mentioned earlier, I am a certified daring way facilitator and, uh, um, uh, I've also folded as, as I teach that curriculum, I fold in, um, psychodramatic and sociometric, um, uh, activities or modalities or methods, um, to, to really deepen, the lessons that um, Brene teaches in, in her research about wholehearted living or resilient, you know, shame, resiliency, self-compassion practices, um, empathy. So it's, again, my clients have a lot of fun with that. And that is going to be a Zoom event. Um, but yeah, it's kind of to get people warmed up for the actual in-person in, um, uh, yeah, in the Chicago June? area. Yeah, yeah. in June. Yeah. And then in June, I am co-presenting with my colleague, um, Dr. Brittany Lakenstar, who's also a psychodramatist. Um, and, and also we co-direct um, the Chicago Center for Psychodrama here in Chicago, where every month we have um, live and in-person um, trainings uh, at our beautiful space in Chicago. Um, but what we're going to be presenting on is embodied healing, where we're using action techniques and psychodrama to uh, transform um, the treatment of eating disorders. So it's both of our specialties is to use these methods and work with folks that get stuck or trapped in their eating disorder. Um, and then I will also be doing um, another presentation individually on the importance of nutrition in uh, trauma recovery for all counselors and therapists. So I'll be going over that um, uh, kind of a little bit of what I talked about today. Yeah. You know? 
feel like we touched we touched on a, a you know a lot of it except um kind of some of the daring way approaches but i think you know listeners are most people are familiar with uh dr bernie brown's work and um sounds like it's going to be an exciting session um exciting sessions um mm -hmm. all around and I know that um, when we first started talking, you had said uh, for listeners that um, would be interested, you have a couple of giveaways. And um, so let's talk about those. Okay. Yeah, I'm happy to share a free download of, um, uh, I, it's called the Guide to Nourished Living um, that I created. And also on, May 20th, um, which is a Saturday at um, the Chicago Center for Psychodrama is putting on um, an open demonstration of psychodrama. So it's open to the public. Um, and I'm happy to um, remind me what we, Raina, remind we, me what we discussed. We had talked about if uh, the first person to email you directly with the creative psychotherapist in the subject line could get free admission to that psychodrama workshop that you're going to be having on the 20th. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, that, yes, we're really excited. Um, this will be the first open demonstration in person since the pandemic. We were, I was hosting them. Um, yeah. Up until the pandemic and they were a really wonderful turnout. We usually get 20 or 30 people and they, you know, people that have never experienced it get to come and have a taste and a sample of it without having to sign up for a full training if they know nothing about it. Also get to do their own personal work. Um, it, you know, that's usually what people come to do is they want to do some personal work. So myself and Dr. Mallory Prim will be um conducting and facilitating this open demonstration on, on May 20th. Uh, again, it's in person in Chicago. So yeah, I'm happy to give away um, admission to that and, and the, the free download of the, the guide to nourished living. And so if anybody's listening, if you would like either one of those things, all you need to do is email Kate, Kate at nourishedliving.com. It's actually Kate at nourishmentworks.com. Nourishmentworks.com. I'm sorry. The guide to nourish living was the giveaway. Yes. Yes. It's Kate at nourishmentworks.com. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. Um, gosh, I wish, I wish Chicago was closer. I would love to attend the, the open demonstration. That sounds really fun and um, exciting. It is. It's, we have a lot of fun, lots of laughs. Like it's an, it's almost like a social also networking event. We have just snacks and beverages available. So it's like, come, um, and this, we used to do them on Friday nights, but now we're going to, we're trying to just do it on the kind of a Saturday e early evening. It's from four to 6 PM. So folks can get together and maybe, um, do dinner afterwards if they'd like. Um, but it's just kind of to meet meet people doing this work and also introduce people that have never heard of it or seen it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Love it. You always have a good time. So. Well, I am super appreciative of your time that you spent with me today talking about your work. And if folks wanted to learn more about your practice, where should they go? Yeah, there are two places to go. Um, the first is nourishmentworks.com. That is our um, nutrition and counseling practice for eating disorder recovery. And then um, chicagopsychodrama.com is where they can find all of our trainings. And um, we even have a student collective for students that are um, registered students of psychodrama. Um, we get together to practice our skills as, as students. Um, Wonderful. Is, yeah, it's really fun. It's a great place because 
so much of psychodrama in these um, expressive arts, we need practice. We need a lot of practice. And so um, I started it when I was a psychodrama student um, because I needed a place where I know people know this method and they're not going to judge or crit criticize or critique me as I'm kind of stumbling through and getting my sea legs and, and learning. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's a place where all of us students can get together. Someone can do some personal work or a lot of us do, you know, we know in psychodrama, whether we're in the audience, uh, audience member and auxiliary or the protagonist, we all benefit from the work. And so we get that piece out of it. And then we get to kind of practice. I used to say, Hey, I want to start this group. So I want to just throw out some ideas and just put them in action. And I want to practice, I need a Guinea pig, you know, I want to practice mm -hmm. on things in this group to see um, to see what I like and what needs to be edited or shifted, um, what works, what doesn't. And so it's been fun. And then our trainings every month, I can't say enough about, um, the trainings that we host. We have a lot of different topics and, um, yeah, so we're just having fun with psychodrama in Chicago and, um, we're hoping to get, because myself and, Dr. Lakenstar um, and Dr. Prim, we all love psychodrama so much. We're working to train others and just mm -hmm. grow, grow the field and, and grow the clinicians and get a nice psychodrama community growing. I love that. It sounds like an incredible resource for the Chicago area to have that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you so much, Kate. I really appreciate you being here. And I hope your sessions are very well attended at the upcoming summit. It sounds like people are going to walk away with a lot of tools that they can put into action with the work that they're doing to help their clients. So thank you yeah. so much for sharing your gifts. Thank you, Raina. I really appreciated the time today and just being able to talk shop. I love talking shop. And so thanks for this opportunity. It's been lovely. Yes, it really has. And you're, you're very welcome. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Creative Psychotherapist podcast. I hope you enjoyed uh, this latest installment of the Voices from the Expressive Therapy Summit special series. Um, I really enjoyed my conversation with Kate today. I hope you did too. Um, she has a tremendous amount of wisdom and knowledge, particularly in uh, the area of treatment of eating disorders, um, using both her uh, foundations as a dietitian and long history in that career, and then integrating it with um, the more expressive and experiential practices of psychodrama. Um, she just, I think her training is going to be amazing. Um, just the tidbits of how she's using this work with her client that she shared in the show, I thought were really fabulous. Um, and remember, if you are in the area there and you want to attend her upcoming um, psychodrama workshop which is open to the public it's going to be on saturday may 20th from 4 to 6 p.m at the chicago center for psychodrama all you need to do is email her directly at kate k-a-t-e at nourishmentworks.com and in the subject line write the creative psychotherapist and the first person the first email that she receives uh, they're going to receive a free admission to that workshop uh, on May 20th. And if you were interested in getting a copy of her guide for guide to nourished living, you can also email her too, and she'll send that along to you. Um, again, that's Kate at nourishmentworks.com. And of course, she's going to be teaching uh, three great workshops, the one online uh, featuring uh, Bernie Brown's Daring Way, Integrating Expressive Arts. That's going to be virtual on May 21st um, in anticipation and promotion for the Chicago event. Um, and then she's also going to be teaching two workshops at the live in-person Midwest Summit uh, on embodied healing 
using action techniques and psychodrama to transform the treatment of eating disorders uh, with her colleague, Dr. Brittany Lakenstar. And uh, that's on June 25th in the morning. And then in the afternoon on June 25th, she's gonna be teaching on the importance of nutrition and trauma recovery for all therapists. Um, so uh, all really great opportunities to learn um, from a very knowledgeable and talented uh, practitioner. And I hope you follow through and, and check out her work. Okay, everybody, thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you hear, please do rate, uh, subscribe, and provide feedback wherever you listen to the podcast. Stay creative. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Creative Psychotherapist. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For show notes, downloads, and additional resources, head over to the website at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com.